Welcome everybody to the Like a Dance Boss podcast. My name's Jess and thank you for tuning in to another episode. All right, welcome listeners to the first episode of the next season of Dance Studio Owner Chats on Like a Dance Boss podcast. Today, I'll be chatting with Kelly. She's a Melbourne studio owner and a mum of two gorgeous toddlers. Welcome to the podcast, Kel. If you don't mind, please introducing yourself and letting us know a little bit about your studio. Sure. Thank you, Jess. Um, I am Kelly. I own Stepping Time Studio of Dance in Epping. Um, and we're in our 10-year anniversary year this year, which is an exciting celebration. So you said your studio is called Step In Time. What made you choose that name? Was that a tricky decision or easy? I knew you were going to ask this question. and <laughs> I love this I question. Always get asked, I always get asked this question. And in all honesty, I don't know. <laughs> I love, I do love the Step In Time Mary Poppins thing. Um, I like the fact that it was like, step in time because when you're dancing you're dancing in time so yep. you're stepping in time I liked that I added the studio of dance because that was that was probably the tricky part where I thought about it a bit more um thinking do we want to be an academy or do we want to be um a school of dance or a studio of dance or a performing arts company or yep. you know all the options um and just decided that studio of dance meshed better that's yeah. what I thought at the time. Looking back now, our acronym is SITSOD, which I don't love. And having six words as well, it's a bit of a mouthful when we get yeah. things and it often gets written wrong and things like that. So, yeah, it's probably, it's not what I would choose now, but it's yeah. what I chose 10 years ago. Yeah, and you've created an identity now, so it would be hard to change the name. Yeah, 100%. I wouldn't change it now. Yeah. Um, rebrand, yes, but I wouldn't ever change our whole name. Yeah. And you're in Epping, which is in Melbourne's north. Is that right? That the north yeah. side is so foreign to me. Um, but what made you choose that area? Because you weren't really living in that area, were you, when you started the studio? No, I was definitely not living in the area. Um, at the time, I was working for, I think it was three or maybe four schools the year before. And I never wanted to be like open a school close to any of them. So I kind of did my own little 30 minute radius and I was in Mount Waverley. I was in Templestowe and Park Orchards and Brighton. And yeah. so those 30 minute pockets kind of left me with the North Epping um, and Craig, my husband, who I had just met the year before. So he was giving me some advice and he said, the North is in a boom. So like Doreen, Epping, um, yeah, all those surrounding suburbs was a lot of young families moving out that way and lots of incentives to build a family home out there. Yeah. So everything just led me that direction. Um, little did I know how many great schools there were in the area. So yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. That um, was a pretty ballsy move to start. A yeah. Already, well, so. I wasn't. I wasn't huge on the comp scene at that time, so I think I just didn't hear yeah. about all those schools that were there yeah. um, until, and it probably, I sat quietly for the first couple, three, like two, three years as well until I was like, oh, wow, there's this one and this one and this one. and Yeah. But, I mean, I remember that, having those conversations with you and you were like, oh, have you heard of this school? Have you heard of this one? I'm like, yeah, yeah. of course I have. Everyone has. Well, like, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but having said that, the area is in a boom. So there is yeah. plenty of kids to go around. Like, yeah. yeah. 
there's hundreds of young families out that way. Um, and the primary schools, like one of our local primary schools has way over a thousand kids enrolled in that primary school. So yeah, there's yeah, plenty of crazy. Yeah, there's obviously enough students to go around because there's still dance schools moving to yeah. Epic and opening in Epic. There sure is, yep. Yeah. So it's not like you were the last one. Yeah. Um, and what was your goal when you first started the studio? Like, did you have the intention of being a recreational school or a preschool school or you wanted to get into the comp scene? Like, what initially were your goals? I had lots of goals. I, well, A, I just wanted to own a dance studio. That was, like, for as long as I can remember, that's all I wanted to do, grow up and be a dance teacher and have Miss Kelly's Dance Academy or something. <laughs> um, yeah. And then goals within the school yeah I did I wanted to do comps do exams have really good training but in a family nurturing lovable Kelly environment um and I would like yeah I think at one point as well I wanted to have an agency on the side that was a goal oh, yeah probably not a goal anymore yeah. um yeah raising kids that can go straight into the industry um go to full-time, you know, all of that. So definitely I wanted to be or want to be a successful school with really good training. Yeah. And why did you make that transfer from teaching to, to studio owning? Like you were enjoying teaching. Was there something that was getting under your skin about just being a freelance teacher that made you go, I really want to open my studio now? I think the biggest thing was... Um, being able to watch the students develop and be a little bit more, not in charge is the word, but responsible for the dancer that they become. Because as a freelance dance teacher, you kind of have them for a year or two and then they'll go, they'll have another teacher or you'll get put with a different age group. Or, yeah. um, And so I was finding that I was forming really strong relationships with the kids and loving working with them. But then the following year, oh, I've got junior ballet instead of the inters or... Yeah. Yeah, so you wanted to raise your own generation and watch them blossom. Yeah, and that's still one of my favourite things about owning a dance studio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And your first venue was amazing for the initial growth of your business. Do you want to tell the listeners about your random kind of first venue that was so great? Was, yep, and it wasn't even like I made the conscious effort to do that it just all fell into place, which, you know, you've known me for a long time and that's kind of how my life goes is just right place, right time. And I'm a bit lucky. And yeah. so I think I can like contacted a lot of different community halls and um, church halls and just looking for a venue that, you know, had a bit of availability to start leasing or renting for a dance studio. Um, and I contacted, it's the YMCA now in Epping, but it was called Leisure City. Um, to see if they had any available space. And within that, they had a gym. And I was contacting lots of local gyms as well because, you know, they've got exercise studios with mirrors, so perfect setup. Um, yeah, and I was lucky enough to get a space with, within the gym, which is within this leisure centre, which has basketball, swimming, a play centre for, like, preschoolers, um, a cafe, waiting areas for parents, like a karate studio. It just has – it's your one-stop shop for – kids activities yeah. um, and so then I went and I started the dance classes that were there and I did had no idea but it was just perfect place to be 
Yeah. Um, because I had my target market walking through the center. Yeah. Every day. So, and the minute that they saw little ballerinas running up the stairs into the gym studio, you know, the other mums are like, "Oh, great, dancing's here. I can chuck one karate and one yeah. one dancing." And, yeah. That's so amazing for like the mums of today. That's so perfect. They can drop three kids off to the same place, and they all do a different activity. Yeah, yeah. It's the main reason my school grew so quickly. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't advertise. I really. Well, that's what I was I... going to say. How did you get your very first student? Did you put signs up in the leisure center, or did you do an ad? I did. I put a banner and had some flyers up in the leisure center. But prior to that, because I mean, I was new to the area. So I literally started the school with zero students. Mm. It was a massive gamble. Um, But I set up a stall at Epping Plaza, which is the local, Uh, not Westfield, but kind of Westfield. And I was, sorry? COVID hotspot. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's what it's known for now. <laughs> um, but that was only that was only five minutes ago away from the venue, from the leisure centre. Yeah. So it was I was sat there I think for three days, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. I had a I had a table and chairs, pictures, um, and flyers to hand out, balloons to give to little kids. And I said, we're five minutes down the road, we're brand new, and I was super enthusiastic and excited. Um, and that's always that's super excited. <laughs> Okay. You're always super happy and excited. Yeah. Um, most of the time, Jess. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was it. And I think my first week I had 12 students enroll into like probably 12 different classes. <laughs> that's amazing. Like that's such an amazing story of starting from nothing. Literally zero, Yeah. Yeah. And the store's such a great idea. I think a lot of us forget that that's a really valuable advertising tool. The store was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you started with, say, 12 students. Roughly how many students do you have at the studio now? Uh, I have, I think, only three that I'm giving out 10-year awards to, actually. One oh. is an adult dancer. Um, and she, she said, I remember meeting her and she said, are you going to start up some adult classes? I said, Oh, look, if there's interest, 100%, I'd love to. She was the first one to enroll. And then like the next week she'd bring a friend and then the next week she'd bring another friend. Um, and now she does a bit of reception work for me and yeah. So how many do you think you had in that first year by the time you got to your concert? 50. Oh, so that's great growth. And then to even have three of those 50, 10 years later is amazing. Yeah, especially because Stepping Time is such a different school now. Um, yeah, that's true. Like it's not exactly yeah it started. No, and the yeah. way I marketed myself 10 years ago was very much like come, dance, do an activity, see you later. Like, yeah. But now we're like come, do 10 classes and, you know. <laughs> yeah, wear your uniform and mm. do things. Yeah, yeah that's so cool. I've, I haven't really thought about that. I have a handful of students who are getting their 15-year Wow. It must be this year or next year. My school's really confusing because I started the school in the middle of the year. So we always have like the 10th concert before the 10th birthday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a handful of students are getting their 15 year. And it's amazing to think that they've followed me throughout my whole journey from like community center to comps to exams, yeah. like whatever we've done and wherever we've pivoted, they're yeah. along for the ride. So that is really cool. Yeah. 
I'm glad you pointed that out. I need to buy those girls a bottle of wine because they're all 18 now. <laughs> I also like that you used the word pivoted just then. Yeah, that's like yeah. <laughs> you know, the COVID words of 2021 or 20. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the first venue was amazing. However, yeah. now you're not there and that's for a horrifying reason. Do you yeah. want to explain what happened to your amazing leisure centre setup? Yes. So this was this was five years in. So we're jumping ahead a bit. Like the school had grown heaps. I then I at this time where it all had changed, I was using two um, fully set up venues within the leisure centre. So I'd moved out of the gym studio, but still within the same centre. And I had like taken over a lease so that it was mine full time. I could have huge tables in there. No one else was using these rooms. One was a street frontage one. Um, and one was upstairs, like above the cafeteria area. So still really great places to be. But the school had exploded. Like we doubled in size every year and that's all thanks to the leisure centre. But then literally the week before term one on my, it must have been my fifth year, I'm sure, the leisure centre had a massive fire, um, which destroyed my upstairs studio completely and there was fire damage in the front studio of the centre. Um, and so, yeah, a week before getting excited to start our fifth year, kind mm. of like getting excited to start our 10th year and then that all turned <laughs> as well. Yeah. We've done this before five years ago. Um, so, yeah, I lost I lost my venue. So I couldn't run this huge timetable that I'd, you know, planned for. Um, I think I was shut maybe for two weeks like no classes running at all for two weeks while I kind of tried to sort myself out and find other local venues and then a local school really helped me out so we we were able to run quite a few classes out of that school um in like a gym you know basketball area and then the other places that I managed to get a hold of which was over the coming week. So it didn't all happen at once. Um, we were running on a reduced timetable for quite a while, but I was yeah. really lucky. Everyone, most people that had stuck by me previously were like, no, nah, we can wait and hold it out and all of that. Yeah. So yeah, we were running out of a basketball hall in a school. Um, the bowling alley had a function room. Yeah. Um, so we used that. Where else? I'm sure there was one other venue. So we just, yeah, the timetable was running out of three different venues. Yeah. Then it got to a point that my front studio, which didn't actually burn to ash, um, that the fire damage was fixed and we could go back in there. So then I had one running out of the leisure centre, but the upstairs studio at the leisure centre was kind of right where the fire was. Yeah. So it was totally burned. Um, yeah, and that was, I think that the leisure centre took a good six months to rebuild and recover. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, did they, were they upfront with you and could say that? Or were they like, yeah, we don't know. Like, could be weeks, could be months. Well, they didn't know because it all gets handed over to the insurance company. Yeah. Um, and then it's up to the insurance company. Like they, it was a slow process, um, slow process with my insurance company as well. Um, yeah, that whole thing was really slow. So anyway, in, I think within that term one period where I was yeah. kind of, in lots of other areas, had no answers of when I could move back um, and if I could move back as well because the leisure centre then did this whole revamp of, like, the, their centre looks different now, totally different. Yeah. Um, so it was all a bit unknown and 
one of my goals, I should have said this before when you asked what was my goals with owning a dance studio, it was always to move into my own lease factory, like have my own venue. And Craig, my husband, knew that. And so he was right behind me going, let's do it. Do it now. There's no time like the present. Like you've got no home. Let's go find us one. Yeah. Um, so we did. And I was very scared about it. And it was very hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a huge commitment and it's very expensive. And that was a, a question on my list to kind of discuss that a bit more. But do you, just going back to the fire, what caused the fire? Uh, it was a storm. There was a storm and then it was water damage, got into the electricals and then created the fire. Oh. Something was leaking somewhere into the electricals. Yeah. And um, did you lose many students during that term one when you were kind of all over the yeah, place? Definitely. I think mostly just the new students that I had enrolled. Yeah. So, you know, over December, Jan, you do a whole heap of marketing. Everyone's excited to come back and then suddenly stepping times burned down it's this really sad story but actually the new people didn't care because they just wanted their kids to dance um so they would have just gone elsewhere which is understandable you know as a mum now I completely get that but I'm really lucky to have had the support from my existing families that you know they followed me to the basketball courts and here there and every and they were actually really supportive as well yeah um but I made it this huge secret so term two once I'd found the venue and then we started the renovation or before that you had to, I had to get the permit. So until it was all confirmed, it was a big secret, but I was kind of, I love secrets. So I was kind of like, Ooh, something's coming. And yeah. You know, so got me- like getting the council permit takes forever. I've been through that a couple of times. So like how long were you using all these holes before you actually moved into your factory? Ages. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like term four or. Nah, it wasn't that long. I feel like it was August, late August or early September. Yeah. So you were doing the multiple rooms for ages. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What a stuff around. Such a stuff around. And at that time, was it just you doing the club? Well, obviously not if you had more rooms. Like, did you have staff and yourself? Were you just carrying storage tubs in your boots to transport stuff? Yeah, that was the nightmare. I went from having a reception area and receptionists working in my upstairs studio to not having a place for them. So I have photos of us, like me and the receptionists, sitting out the front with like um, trestle tables and boxes underneath of uniform and an umbrella when it got too sunny. And like, (laughs) yeah, we had an outdoor office for a little while. What's that? Sorry. You should share some of those photos on your I should. Have I have I not shown those? I don't think I've seen them. Have you, have I shared the fire photos? Because they're full on. Mm, I don't think so. Mm. I could have repressed the memory, maybe. I feel like I have too until you make me think about it now. But yeah. I don't really remember anything before childbirth, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's I have a terrible memory too. <laughs> um, well, that's because you've done it twice. Um, so the downs of setting up a factory. Yes. Obviously the ups, you know, we could probably agree that creating a home for your dance family is the best part about it. Um, yeah. And then obviously getting rid of all those things like the storage tubs, the driving around, the portable speakers and all of yeah. that drama. But what would you say were the main challenges Like, would you say it was the permit or the expenses or? So initially 
it would be the permit um, and then the building permit and then the expense to fit it out. Yes. Those three things are just huge and like such such a big step in owning a business or owning a dance school. Yeah. Um, but then once you get over all of those challenges, the advertising for me is the biggest change because I never advertised. So yeah. the, since, since starting at Leisure City, I had our social media pages going, but I'm, I was never very good at that either. Um, so it was all word of mouth and, you know, traffic. Um, and that's how the school grew so quick. So, yeah, now I've learned that going into, you know, an industrial area where there's no, no target market walking by at all, yeah. I need to rely on, yes, our word of mouth, but also um, advertising now. Yeah. So I'm learning like all about Google advertising and social media advertising and, you know. Yeah, because and I'm still not very good at that. I still need yeah. to up my game. Isolated yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest change for me. Yeah. I felt like that with my first studio premises, but then the one that I'm in now is like kind of on the street behind a servo. Yeah, you've got the street now. Yeah, we do get quite a few people join because they were getting petrol and then yeah, and saw it. So yeah, I think even though it can be more expensive to be on like a more like main road, it's probably worth it. It's I would say definitely worth it in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Just makes it a bit easier, yeah, to get those fillers out. Yeah. Um, parking, actually, parking's probably the other challenge. Yeah. From a leisure centre, my parents were very used to very easy, comfortable parking because there's a huge car park out the back. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when we first moved to the factory, I had a really good setup because it was a brand new factory in the strip um, and they let me use all the car parks. But then as the years have progressed, particularly last year, we had a big change um, we now don't use the car park space um, and it's all on street parking. Yeah. So, parking so true. Yeah. I forgot about all that as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I think it's just those changes and especially got, like everyone, well, I've, I find most families, most parents don't like change and that takes a little while to implement. So yeah. those changes that were out of my control were a bit difficult. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and how how did you feel moving into your own, like, own factory benefit, benefited your enrolments, like, by setting up, you have three studios, don't you? Yeah. Like, by setting up those three studios, do you feel like you opened the space, you increased the timetable, and then it just naturally allowed the business to grow? Yeah. Timetabling became easier. Um, yeah. Tabling teachers became easier. Um, and another big positive was I feel like, the professionalism of the school became a lot greater. Like yeah. the kids, the kids were more serious, more dedicated. Even the families, I feel like when you go to a dance school that's within their own premises, it's like, oh, okay, this is like a dance school. Yeah. Whereas where I came from at the leisure centre, it was like, yeah, yeah, she's just running around having fun, and then we come yeah. home and don't need to think about it. Um, I guess with timetabling, you probably had a lot of kids take up extra classes, not necessarily new people, but the ones that are there could now do like ballet, jazz, tap, acro, all in the same place on the same night. Yeah, yeah exactly. And even even um, like having a lunch break or a dinner break up in the student lounge, that's fun. So yeah. then you can schedule more classes as well. It yeah. becomes more of a friendly atmosphere for the kids. They get to bond a little bit more on their break time. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, timetabling is a huge plus. But also just, yeah, just the um, atmosphere and the vibe of the studio did turn when we went to the factory. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you have kids doing comps and exams before you were in the factory? Yeah. Oh, you did? Because that was always my end game as well. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, I don't know, it all just went up a notch once we went to the factory. Yeah. Even just dancing in that environment, I feel like the kids take it more serious and they're more dedicated and they try harder. And Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And they have, well, you had mirrors and stuff in your old venue, but a lot of studios don't have all the, like the bars and the mirrors until they get to their own premises. Yeah. yeah. And even studio size, actually, because yeah. I didn't get to choose the studio size where I was and they were very rectangular. They're still rectangular where we are, but um, yeah, I remember it was really hard to choreograph for a stage because it was so narrow in the space that we were working in. Yeah. That sounds like my studios. They're very frustrating. <laughs> it's like you have a constant double chin. Yeah, they, they are a bit. Yeah. But it was like the best way to lay out three studios together downstairs. So in that space. What we did. And yeah. Yeah. That's why I did the mezzanine because I wouldn't have fit three downstairs. But yeah. That was way too expensive. <laughs> a mezzanine is very, very expensive. I've looked into that so many times. And every time I'm like, oh, I'm just not doing it. Yeah. That's, so much steel. That's madness. And even, um, yeah. I was going to say building permits. Yeah. Like, then you, yeah, all of that. Yeah. And and Little and things that you don't even need, like think about, like the ventilation. and the Exactly. Access. Yeah. 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 Things that are not usually in our job description. Um, what are your numbers um, and focus now with the studio? Like generally how many kids or adults do you have enrolled in the school and what are the main goals of the students that are there, like a most comp kids or? So are we talking pre-COVID or COVID after COVID now? Um, Because <clears throat> I feel like this year is a really different year for me. Let's talk both. Maybe okay. how many generally would you have had the last few years and then, you know, how many roughly would you have now? And So I think at my peak which was probably either the year after we moved, I think it was the year after we moved to the factory, we did get up to around 400. Yeah. Um, I didn't love that. Like I didn't love 400 families to coordinate and yeah. yeah. Um, comfortably is anywhere between 300 to 350. That's probably my goal number. Yeah. Um, having kids as well has changed this a bit for me. So I did like, it's hard to, it's hard. I was chatting to Craig about this actually recently and it's hard to know from that 400 number or from the 300 to 350 mm. where the decline, like it's not a huge decline. So currently I'm on like 230 or 240. This is post-COVID. Pre-COVID yeah. it was closer up to around 300 but not quite 300. Yeah. Um, and I think dropping from like the 350 or the 400 down to 300 has a number of reasons. And I think it's moving to the factory. So no advertising, yeah. but also I had a family. So I stepped back and I think that's changed it a lot as well. Um, I have a great team and I love my staff, but you know, no one works as hard as well, in, in every industry, no one works as hard as the business owner because no one is as invested. Um yeah. And even relationships, like I noticed, um, yeah, some families were there 
for stepping time and what we offered, but definitely some families and students and parents were there because of Miss Kelly. And when Miss Kelly stepped back a little bit, it, it did change it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're currently 2.30-ish and ideally I like to be 300, 350. Yeah. So COVID has taken a huge. Next year, like are you happy to just survive this year and then grow from next year or are you still growing at the moment? Um, I'm still growing. It's very slow and with every lockdown it becomes even slower. Yeah. Um, yeah, COVID took a massive toll on the business, but it took a toll on everyone's business. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so coming out of that, it's hard. Like, yeah, it's still hard. I feel like when my kids go to school, <laughs> I'll throw myself back in 100% and I know that I can lift it up again. But yeah. I'm constantly just being pulled between, like, busy, busy mum life and you know how hard you need to work in a business to really grow it yeah. and I'm working so hard that, I, that there's no other time in the day like yeah. yeah yeah no I get that 100% like every day you feel like you're just keeping on top of the things that must be done that day yeah and there's never any extra time to sit and go okay I'm gonna assess how everything's going or I'm gonna implement something new or I'm gonna advertise like it's just yeah. And like, literally that's my, that's me within this holiday period. I'm going, I need to do my Google advert. I need to promote term three and do a free trial week. And, and I know that the business needs that, but I don't have time at the moment. Like we've got, I've rescheduled the mid-year show twice and I've canceled the dinner dance and created another show. And we've got exams and comps coming up that, you know, we lost classes. So it's like, yeah, I feel like the business needs me in other areas at the moment that I just, it's kind of on the back burner which it shouldn't be because the business desperately needs it. But yeah. Yeah. And I know you tell me, you should tell me to delegate and outsource. <laughs> I'll get there. It's hard though. Also, that takes time as well. Like it's not just delegating a task, but often you've got to train a person to do it. So it all takes time. And money as well. Like if it's not me doing it, then I'm paying someone to do it, but the business isn't doing great anymore. So it's like a constant, yeah, which way is the right way type thing. So let's talk about your team that you delegate to. Who do you have? How many teachers, receptionists? So I have, I think it's 10 teachers this year, maybe yep. nine. Um, yeah, but a great team of teachers. Like I absolutely love them. Um, and they've been with me for quite a while. I do, I've got one newbie this year, Ellie, you know, Um but the rest have, yeah, like I've got some teachers that have been with me for eight years now and, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely they stick around and they become a part of the school and such a valued part, which is lovely. Um, and then I've got two, three receptionists as well. Yeah. And that just does half, half a day um, and the other two do a few days a week. Yeah. So what's your work schedule like? Like, are you teaching much? How many days do you do reception? Are you working from home during nap time? Like what's your usual week? So I do, I'm scheduled to be at the studio three days a week. So Saturdays is a massive day and I do half, half on the desk and half teaching. Um, and then Monday, Tuesday, I'm also there. Mondays I'm just on the desk and I love my Mondays because it's a quiet day at the studio and I actually get work done um Tuesdays I'm on the desk and teaching yeah so three days that I'm scheduled to be there but I do try and pop in on the Wednesday Thursday Friday 
you know, a different day each week and just see those kids and teachers and classes running and things. It doesn't yeah. always work, but that's definitely my aim is to pop in on those other days just so I can be seen and see what's going on and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then you obviously work from home as much as you need to or can. <laughs> yeah. So I put the kids to bed at seven and then you'll be getting emails from me at midnight and 1am and it's a terrible thing and lifestyle at the moment. It's probably my most hated aspect, but also something that I just can't change at the moment. So like they're the only hours that I can work. I have like an hour of time. Okay. It's hard because you get so tired at that time and everything takes longer or you feel like you might make more mistakes. Well, I don't know about you, but that's with me. Yeah. All of that. And I like don't, have time to make contact with Craig eye contact with Craig sorry not contact <laughs> in my mind I was saying eye contact <laughs> you don't even email him or anything sorry you don't even email him or anything how rude I don't email him but you know just like sit down and yeah. have quality conversation I'd like do that on the weekend so like weekend evenings I don't allow myself to work unless it's desperately needed um and I do have um yeah I call it my hour of power once I've got one or two kids sleeping during the day but that's like in that hour I need to do my admin but I need to clean the house and do the washing and cook the dinner and you know all those other mum things so um it's so true and what are your main tasks or do you feel like you're just doing a bit of everything or are there certain tasks that you do that no one else does or um I do all the advertising um yeah this is always I I feel like I've gotten better at delegating but when you ask me what I delegate like I mean the day-to-day accounting of the business that's our receptionist handle. So they will do the invoicing and the chasing of the fees and all things like that. Um, when it comes to communication, so new inquiries, I'll handle the new inquiries that come in as well, unless there's one that specifically wants to talk to the principal. Um, they have all the queries come to them. So parents often come to the desk instead of make a phone call now, which is that's another perk of owning a factory actually. Um, yeah, having somewhere they can walk in and chat to someone. Yeah, it reduced the amount of email questions that come back and phone calls that are made because they know that they can chat next time they're at the studio. So that was a perk. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, in terms of, like, communications to the whole school about um, events coming up and, you know, term newsletters and things like that, that's all me. Yeah. Um, event what planning. What tasks are you like, oh, I love this task, I'm excited? I used to love costumes and I feel like I'm getting my love back for costumes. I did delegate when the business was doing better. One of my receptionists um, loves costumes and has a background in, and she's a sewer herself and like, yeah. So she kind of took on costumes for a year or maybe two. Yeah. um, Which was great to kind of have someone else handling that. And I just okayed everything. But I'm doing that again this year just because, of how the business is going I had to take on more um and I do enjoy costuming I enjoy teaching and I'm throwing myself back into that this year which I'm really enjoying um and I enjoy being a principal like I just enjoy going into the classes and seeing how they're going giving them the principal chat of like oh I think we could be doing better or we're so proud of your progress and yeah 
and the the contact with the kids and that that's probably what I missed the most when I did like I didn't take maternity leave but I took a step back I wasn't as present within the business once I had the kids um so I didn't miss that probably the most I think yeah and what tasks do you dread oh chasing fees that's why I've put that off (laughs) (laughs) that is hard Um, yeah I find um, that as the principal because you'll be emailing a mum to be like, oh, hey, I've got your costume ready for your daughter. And then also I've booked in this extra private. And then you're like, oh, no, their fees are late. And then it's weird to be like, oh, also you haven't paid and now you need to pay me. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard I to find, just- Yeah. And I find parents will like either see me in the shops or they'll see me at the studio for the first time and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just paid the bill yesterday. I'm like, yeah. I didn't even know you were late. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I feel like a few really successful dance studio owners have encouraged me to not deal with fees because you can get caught up in the stress of that. And yeah, yeah it's better to teach the kids for who the kids are and talk to the parents without knowing who owes you how much money and how much yeah. the receptionists have attempted to retrieve that money. <laughs> yeah. And that's always been hard for me. Like, yeah I don't know chasing fees and making dance about parents having to pay money when maybe they're struggling themselves on that I've always struggled with that aspect of it yeah um and yeah like early days when it was much more of a hobby and I didn't have all the overheads hanging over my head you know I would help families out and say oh no no it's all good like yeah and I mean that's so hard to do now when you yeah COVID and everyone having massive debts and not much. Um, yeah, it's really hit families. We don't have safety nets with our finances anymore. Yeah. Having said that, there are families that are really struggling that I've had to go, well, so am I, but I, I totally understand that and I don't want to take dance away from your kids, so we'll work something out. Yeah. Um, but I do find that I have to remind them that, like, so am I because they're because they're like oh me and my husband both lost our jobs and we we haven't got work and da da da. I'm like we do (laughs) (laughs) that's so true like yeah people do forget that we're small businesses and that if we don't pay our bills we won't be in that like factory anymore like we'll be kicked out or we'll be hiring halls or letting go of yeah and it's not only the small business that we own that isn't doing well it's like us personally also not bringing home an income so it's the business and yeah our jobs you know yeah very true yeah um and just going way back to your story um at the recreation center you said that you had a receptionist I know mm-hmm. a lot of um studio owners don't know when they're ready to pay a receptionist I guess they feel like can I afford to pay someone to do admin when it's not necessarily going to bring in an income like you bring in a teacher they teach a class you, you can see yeah. the money comes in and goes out there, but mm. it's, it's a long time ago. So I'm testing your memory, but was it that you felt that you couldn't deal with the admin and that's why you had someone or you wanted a face for the studio? Or I initially did it because that was when I was still trying to teach everything, literally everything. And yeah. I didn't want to step back from that yet. Like I still was very invested in growing these little dances and I just wanted to do all the teaching myself, but yeah. realized quickly that I couldn't keep selling uniforms in between classes where I had like, see you later, come in. Oh yes. I'll buy shorts. I'll pay me later. And then I forget to invoice yeah, all, all of that. Um, so I think I started 
with someone on the desk just for the really busy period. So like Saturday mornings, yeah. um, kinder classes, like those, those ones during the daytime, any daytime classes, I would be able to do it before and after. Um, probably from like that four till six time, which is quite busy. Um, I started getting someone on the desk and that was for uniform sales. That was for new kids enrollments. Cause also within the leisure center often, really often we'd get walk-ins and just like, Oh, could I just try today? And so if I'm in the middle of like running a class, I'd be like, um, next week, here's a form. Whereas once I had someone on the desk, they were like, yeah, sure. Fill out this form. Off you go. Like, um, so yeah, that was really great. And then, then I learned to delegate different jobs, which was like, yeah, the invoicing or the, the fee collections or the sending of receipts. Um, yeah, just all that day-to-day stuff. That makes sense. I like your idea of just introducing them for those busy periods and not necessarily needing to have a receptionist every single time you have a class. There's another con of the factory, Jess. This is bad. I'm thinking of too many, but I've got a factory. I need a factory. Sorry. I'm moving out of my factory. That's it. I'm done. What is it? So I don't ever like to run the studio now with three studios running in an industrial area with the door closed and no one at the front. And also I've got a uniform shop set up and I just feel like for safety and for, I'm not sure why I just always need someone to be at the desk. So I'm paying a receptionist every time there is a class running at our venue, um, which is a huge investment. Yeah. Um, and I think we had the conversation a little while ago where there's highs and lows within the studio. Like there definitely could be times within the year that I don't need someone to be working that many hours, but then could increase it, you know, at concert time or. Yeah. But yeah, you're going to struggle to find a casual employee who's happy to have hours of work one week and then two hours the next week. True. Um, but yeah, that is really challenging. I feel the same as you. I don't feel comfortable having no one at the front. So I have someone always at the front, but this year I've introduced, um, open hours. So people can't actually just pop in between say seven and nine, the front door's locked. So there's still like a receptionist overseeing everything, but it means that they've got a couple of hours of quiet time to do actual work and actual admin and not just be Ah. talking and, and chatting and, Good idea. Yeah, and also just for security, like it's really dark, um, especially in winter. So I don't feel comfortable with the door open when people come from the servo and just walk in. So it just seemed to make sense. Like once it gets, I think we're doing 6.30 at the moment, but once it gets to that time, the door's locked and then they know to keep an eye out for for kids and parents at the door to open it. Um, Thank you. I feel like it's it's worked well. Yeah, feel free. I'll keep. I might write that one down. (laughs) (laughs) I'll um. I'll leave some more tips in the end notes. No, I won't. Um. So why do you feel like parents choose your studio when we clearly know there's a million studios around? Why are they coming to you? Do you think? Um. I do think it's still good word of mouth, and another plus which I get told quite often from parents. In fact, two, which is like most commonly. Um, commented on and praised for is low turnaround of staff so our staff are really regular like you know that's your teacher and that's your teacher every week it's not like uh you know we're off we're doing a gig we're doing this so 
that's a huge plus and that's something that I'm pretty passionate about I think that's a really important thing so um that's good to hear and also parents do love my organization and information output which often I think I give way too much but parents parents love it yeah um I think that must be just I've got the pre-planners and things um parents comment on my website as well so um they say that the information was easy to find and I could these are parents that they've either had a dance background in their life and they want to know what the school is offering or if they've come from elsewhere or come moved suburbs but they danced you know interstate or somewhere else they they want to know what syllabus we offer and how many hours and what performance opportunities are there and da 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 and they can get all of that off the website if they look hard enough yeah if they look hard enough but that's a challenge as well because I would also love to just get the mums that are just like oh yeah that sounds like a good idea quick google but I feel like some of them jump onto seven times page and like oh god like that's too much yeah it Um, is hard to try and please everyone when they have different scrolling habits yeah and in the end it has to be a choice doesn't it because it's like well then what type of person are you attracting and I'm happy that we're attracting the people that like that we have a syllabus that we follow and you know all of and time management as well. That's like my constant challenge that I'm not good at yet. Yeah. Um, and setting myself work hours and things like that. Well, it's hard to manage time when you don't actually have that much time to start with. That's very true. <laughs> well, like I really need to manage my time, but you only have like an hour at the end of each day. That's so true. Actually, I've got six if I work until the early so, hours. So, even seven till midnight full on Mm. my brain's dead by the time it gets to 9 p.m which is almost that's in 16 minutes um (laughs) yeah how are you going with the impact of COVID-19 you said that you've lost a lot of enrollment and it's hard to grow the studio do you still feel like step in time is a positive place and you're on the right track you just need the COVID stuff to go away sure yeah yeah for sure and I feel like you know, after the lockdowns and things, kids do come back with an, in fact, it's funny, like some kids come back and they've lost their love for dance because they haven't been on stage and they haven't been dancing with their friends or their teacher in the room and all of that. So that's been a challenge, but a lot of it, they just come back and love the fact that they can dance again. So that's great. Um, And yeah, obviously it's been a decrease in student numbers. And I think as well, it's just parents, um, well, no one, no one knows what's ahead of us and so I find parents committing to a term activity like a term commitment um is tricky yeah for so sure. you know we're putting fees out for term three but we've just had another three-week lockdown and we've still got how many months of winter so we're already getting parents saying you know oh we're just gonna take the term off or take the rest of the year off and then hopefully next year will be a better year and I'm like okay hopefully we'll be here in a year <laughs> well yeah yeah it's hard because, yeah, like parents don't need to understand the big picture, but yeah, if a number of students take that option, then the classes can't go ahead, and then we have to reduce staff hours, and those staffs have, those staff have families and livelihoods of their own, and then yeah, someone needs to take a cut somewhere. It's either going to be our staff or us, our family. Yeah. Well, it's both. It really has been both. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's hard. And just the constant reorganizing of stuff, whether that be events or just your normal timetable or makeup classes and 
like all of that just takes so much admin time which that's why I've been so busy recently is just because I'm redoing everything that was already in place yeah. um, and that's communicating that with all of our families and then teacher availability and one teacher going into state and now she's stuck and you know <laughs> all that that is no good all yeah, right we need to wrap good. it up but I did want to ask you about teaching in Africa oh, yeah. quickly just give me the rundown Okay, so that was pre-stepping time. Yeah. I can't tell you how old I was, Jess. I don't know. I don't remember. It was, it was, was it after Hong Kong? Well, you should probably talk about Hong Kong as well because now people are going to be interested. Like, what happened in Hong Kong? So I lived in Hong Kong. I was on a contract in Hong Kong as a dance teacher. I'm fairly sure that was before Africa. Um, and that, that was just working for a big dance school in Hong Kong, mostly with expat children actually, um, yeah. and choreographing for a show called Scotty and Lulu, which they were English guys that ran, it was like the Hong Kong's answer to the Wiggles. There's the best uh -huh. way to describe them. They're like a children's show, yeah. but they got, they got young kids to come in and dance at their shows and that was super fun. So how did you get the Hong Kong contract? Um, through my full-time course. Dance um, yeah. Oh. Jane? Was it Jane? I think it was Jane. No. What's her name? Jane? I can't remember Jess. <laughs> Not Dulce. Fran. It was Fran. Fran. Yeah. So she, um, I think I'd kept in touch with her and like, like she knew that my avenue was definitely teaching, not performing. And so then I think she was contacted by Glenda Allen, which was the dance school or the principal over that I was working for. And then Fran passed it on to me. And then they were looking for a CSTD trained dancer and I had done CSTD growing up. Yeah. Again, I think it was all just right place, right time. Um, and I, I was never set on doing a contract overseas, but this kind of just landed in my lap and it was great. Yeah. And so then, that, sorry. Yeah, that was, a, I was just going to say that was a cool experience, full stop. <laughs> yeah, but then you go teach in Africa. Yeah, so that was totally separate. That was more of like a love job because yeah. it, it was volunteer. Um, and I've always had a bit of a charity heart about me and wanted to do that, like do an experience like that. Yeah. So um, that was through a friend of ours from our full-time course. Yeah. Um, and she started a, it was like Mayabuya. So it's like a dance slash life skills course for underprivileged kids. And it was initially targeted in South Africa. And I put my hand up straight away. So I went as a dance teacher and there was some life, life skill coaches going there. Yeah. Um, and there, I think it was a team of about eight of us. And it was just me and Kamari that were dancers. So I was really the only dance teacher because she was running the show yeah. um or running the trip and there was the one that like yeah easily one of the best things I've ever done so like yeah lived in the community it was only a three maybe four week thing yeah. um but I got to work with young teens that had had terrible terrible stories and upbringings um and living in terrible conditions but they bloody love to dance and they're so good at it and like naturally naturally good at it and just yeah it really re-sparked my joy for dance as well because I was like oh amazing oh it was just the best thing it was and I would 100% love to do it again that reminds me of another goal I had 
With Stepping Time, I've always thought it would be really cool. We do like the America trip every now and then, but one year I'd love to take a group of kids to South Africa and do like a bit of an exchange where they could do a similar trip to what I did and just, yeah, I think that would be amazing for teenagers to do something like that. Absolutely. They, um, yeah, they probably don't realise that there's other kids their age out there living the way that they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And it just, it is amazing to see that dance is a universal language and um, it, it actually is just such a source of joy for so many people. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was a great experience. Thanks for bringing back that memory. That's all right. I was thinking about it earlier when I, I know it's not studio owner related, but it's part of your story. And I think it's really cool that you went and did that. Yeah. And I do, I do talk to my kids about it, my students. Yeah. yeah, Because I think, yeah, it's nice for them to know that dance can take you into a lot of different avenues as well. And your full-time course. Well, our full-time course, I think a lot of dancers think I don't, want to be a dancer or I might not make it professionally so what's the point of full-time but I feel like the people you meet the connections that you make like all helps you just get to where you're meant to be yeah and that doesn't have to be as a performer it is yeah yeah. we'll look at us like we met at full-time and now we both own dance studios and constantly just help each other yeah yeah, well, I'll have no friends if I can go full-time. All my favourite friends are, like, my dance friends. Literally, literally. That's our gang. Yeah. Well, dance. thank you so much for chatting, Kel. I really enjoyed listening to you, and I'm sure the listeners will love hearing your story. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, like, do you have Instagram or they can maybe hop on and have a look at your um, studio's Instagram? Yes. Um stepping time studio of dance on instagram and facebook mm-hmm. easy and i'm kelly i don't know what i am i'm kelly miller i was gonna say like, i bet you don't know your insta handle and i feel like i don't know mine either yeah. um, but they can jump onto stepping time just like the the way you were speaking about the leisure center and moving into your factory and i feel like some of that really resonates with some people i've been chatting to and i wouldn't be surprised if they might go oh that's what i'm talking about i'd love to speak to her and yeah get- insight yeah I'm happy to well thank you very much thank you Jess that's all for today everyone but thank you again for tuning in to the like a dance boss podcast if you're a dance studio owner and you would like to share your story please get in touch you can find me on instagram or my website likeadanceboss.com.au or also on facebook I look forward to chatting to you soon and also releasing another episode with another studio owner very soon.